Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is True News, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. Today is Tuesday, December 19, 2023. 170 close associates of Mossad pedophile agent Jeffrey Epstein will not have a happy new year. A Manhattan federal judge has ordered that files containing names of influential American men must be unsealed in the first week of January 2024. Let's discuss this article published today by London's Daily Mail. As you see the headline, over 170 of Jeffrey Epstein's high-profile associates will be named in court documents set to be unsealed in the first days of 2024. What do you think, Doc? Finally? (laughs) There's only only 170. Right. We already know who number 34 is, and that's Alan Dershowitz. He's He's already come out and said he's on that list. And he's come out to say he wants a public uh, accounting for anything related to Jeffrey Epstein. But 170 are being named as well. Dozens of Jeffrey Epstein's high-profile associates are in for a New Year surprise, as they will be named in court documents set to be released at the beginning of 2024. The pedophile's powerful friends are set to be exposed as part of a vast unsealing that a judge ordered on Monday will take place in just 14 days. That will take the release day to January 1st, but as that's a holiday, it will be likely the files will be made public the following day. What do you think, Doc? Any big surprises and names that we've never expected before? I mean, you know, we know the names of, like, uh, Bill Gates and so forth. Right. All right. That's not going to be a surprise. But do you think that there are going to be some oh-my moments when that list comes out? Probably a few. A lot of these, though, it's suspected that's going to be people that have worked with Jeffrey Epstein, like uh, pilots, janitors, housekeepers, things along that line. Uh, But the 177 people will be informed across hundreds of files, which will shed new light on the late financier's sex trafficking operation and his network of influence. Now, Judge Loretta Preska wrote, unsealed in full next to the names of 177 does who are Epstein's friends, recruiters, victims, and others whose names will be revealed when the material is released within the coming weeks. Now, this material is related to a defamation case that was brought by uh, Prince Andrew's accuser, Virginia Roberts, in a New York uh, suit against Epstein's Madam Ghislaine Maxwell. Some of the does are identified in the ruling through links to interviews they've already given to the media, which the judge cited as a reason why they should not stay private. Now, the material related is uh, they include the housekeepers on Epstein's private island in the Caribbean, where some of the worst abuse that he perpetrated was carried out. In her ruling, Judge Preska gave 14 days for any does who objected to their documents being made public to object, after which they would 
be unsealed. And so the countdown is on for those 177 people to either file some sort of uh, uh, response to the court or to have their names revealed. Doc, yesterday the Wall Street Journal published a report um, in, in which it, it, it revealed that here's the headline right here from the, the journal. Jeffrey Epstein never stopped abusing women and his VIP circle helped make it possible. Uh, inside that article, it reveals that Bill Gates continued his relationship with Epstein long after Epstein was convicted. Yes, convicted, uh, tried, and sentenced. And, and sentenced and listed in the state of Florida as a as a uh, uh, sex offender. A, a sex offender, and so it, it blew a hole in Bill Gates's story. Yes, that he knew. He only knew Epstein before his arrest. Right. That he didn't have any contact with him after the arrest. Let's look at what the uh, Wall Street Journals reported yesterday. So in the years after he registered as a sex offender, Jeffrey Epstein was rarely alone. He was often accompanied by attractive young women in their late teens or early 20s. They opened the door at his New York townhouse when billionaires came calling. They sat beside him at meetings with bankers and celebrities. They traveled with him on his private jet to visit scientists, political leaders, and tech company founders. Photos of some of them with Jeffrey Epstein appeared in tabloid newspapers as well. Now, earlier this year, the Wall Street Journal revealed that numerous prominent people had met with Epstein after he pleaded guilty in Florida in 2008 to soliciting and procuring a minor for prostitution. Many of those people said they believed the convicted sex offender had reformed. Most, including Bill Gates, said they now regret their association with Jeffrey Epstein and that they didn't know that he was using those ties in his dealings with women. A Gates spokeswoman said the software billionaire neither knew nor interacted with the women that Epstein brought to Seattle. Now, uh, there's a lot of speculation out there that one of the reasons for the separation of Bill and Melinda Gates related directly back to this association with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, that's never been publicly stated, but it wasn't too long uh, afterwards that uh, after the separation Mrs. that Gates Melinda said, I'm Gates out of said here. yes, and that that she mentioned Jeffrey Epstein as part of that. And so, uh, look, I, I'm gonna, you know, I, I want to reiterate my my theory on Epstein. I am absolutely convinced he was a Israeli Mossad agent. Convinced of it. If you go back in time in, in the USA, even to to the uh, the 90s, when George Herbert Walker Bush, you know, Papa Bush was in the White House, uh, you know, Papa Bush, <laughs> calling him Papa Bush, uh, uh, the older uh, President Bush, was not a hardcore Zionist. In fact, the Zionists had a lot of problems with President Bush. Now, his son was Zionist all the way. Yes. But President Bush Sr. was not. You, you know, back in the 80s and the early 90s, the FBI was still arresting Israeli spies. Yes. Inside the USA. In September 10th, 2001, the day before 9-11, the U.S. Army released an intelligence report that said that the Zionists were pros at carrying out 
terrorist acts that made it appear that it was done by Arabs. September 10th? September 10th. Are you you kidding me? No, September 10th. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard this before. 2001. Wow. So what am I saying? Uh, America had the government, American society had not yet been conquered by the Zionists up up to September 11. Doc, this country fell to Zionism on September 11, 2001. How did America fall so quickly and become Israeli-occupied territory? Because that's what we are. The United States of America is Israeli-occupied territory, the entire country. They took over the Congress. They took over the White House. They took over the Pentagon. They took over the CIA. They took over the Defense Intelligence Agency. They took over everything. They took over the American evangelical churches. They took over the news media. They took over cable television. Um, They took over the whole country since 2001. How? How did they do it? Jeffrey Epstein. It's just that simple. Jeffrey Epstein was a Mossad agent, and his, he was not a billionaire. He was an actor. Yeah, acting like a billionaire. He was an agent who pretended to be a billionaire. That was his cover. He worked for billionaires. Yes. But he himself was not a billionaire. He didn't, he didn't own any of the, the mansions. Uh, the money was not in his name. He pretended to be a billionaire. What was his business? His business Blackmail. was as, as, as mysterious as Hunter Biden's business. What did Jeffrey Epstein do to earn his billions? How did he become a billionaire? Warren Buffett, I know how he became a billionaire. Bill Gates, I know how he became a billionaire. Michael Bloomberg, I know how he became a billionaire. How did Jeffrey Epstein become a billionaire? There's, there's no business. It, it, we're told that he managed the funds of billionaires. Like Wes, Les Wechner. Yes. So. Well, who else were his clients? Wexler was his handler. Yes. That's who owned the mansions. Through a series, you know, a, a, a various layers of, of foundations and trust and, and LLCs and so forth. But Jeffrey Epstein himself was not a billionaire. He did not have an, He did not have a business. He pretended to be a, an economic advisor. Are you telling me that he he was so good at managing the money of billionaires that he himself became a billionaire? He made that much money advising them. And who were the other clients? They've never come forward. We've never been told who his clients were. It's because he didn't have any clients. He had paymasters, Israeli Mossad. Right. What they did is that they they had hidden cameras in every Jeffrey Epstein mansion. There were rooms. This is according to testimony of the young women. Yes. There were rooms in mansions where there was a, a lot of video equipment. Yes. And there were full-time employees in those rooms monitoring the video recording. Yes. We know that for sure in the New York mansion. So where did the video files go? 
Who received them? Where are they? Who has them right now? Yes. Why hasn't the FBI seized these video files? If they were in Jeffrey Epstein's homes, why didn't the FBI go in and seize the files? Well, supposedly they did, Rick. No, that was only in New York. Well, remember, they had the FBI team down in uh, St. James Island, too. Did they seize the files? What about, all, all what about New Mexico? FBI, all we saw were FBI jackets through windows. Did, what about New Mexico? Did they ever go in? Did they ever go in the the place in New Mexico? Not that I recall. So they weren't they weren't interested in the evidence because the evidence would show you not only who was blackmailed but who did the blackmailing, right? Because it's linked back to Israeli Mossad, and the reason nobody's investigating it is because too many powerful, influential, rich American men have been entrapped by Israel. It's the oldest trick in spying. It has worked for thousands of years. But but Jeffrey Epstein industrialized it. Yes. And made it a business. I mean, made it really made it a business. But this is this trick has been used for thousands of years. You entrap powerful men in a sex scandal. But now, with technology, you can record it. And so the Israeli Zionists perfected blackmail, sexual blackmail. And they took over the United States of America with it in about 25 years. I mean, it was fast. And now you can't get anything done because there are so many people in the FBI, in the White House, in the Congress, in the news media— Judges, there's so many people who are implicated in the scandals whose names have never come out. Right. That were to this day, we don't know that they were on the Lolita Express airplane jet to uh, the various uh, Epstein um, sex playgrounds. We, We don't know to this day. We know of names like Donald Trump. Robert Kennedy came out last month and outed himself right. because he knew he was going to be outed. Who else? Who else has been on either on the plane with Epstein or in his mansions? Who else were, who were the other people who were video recorded having sex with underage girls? There's rumors that the chief justice of the Supreme Court, right. there, there is a John Roberts on the list. There is. On the flight uh, log, but nobody has bothered to ask the justice if it's him. I guess the biggest thing that has always puzzled me on the Epstein situation, Rick, is where are the girls? Where are the girls? Where I mean, uh, if this occurred over a 30-year period. They were killed. That's the only conclusion you can come to. They were murdered. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, that's the only answer you can come to. The, the best— when I say the best, the ones who had the greatest financial potential. Epstein promoted. Yes, and, and I believe that they were sold and became the wives of, of famous people. I believe that they sold them. Ghislaine D- Maxwell had, it, she had a nightclub in New York City called Kit Kat Club. Right. And wealthy men went to the Kit Kat Club to meet beautiful women from other countries. Right. These beautiful women, I believe, Doc, 
were previous sex slaves of Epstein. That come out of trafficking some way or the other. Well, they were still in trafficking. Yes. Now they're at an adult age, and he can legally sign a contract with them. And he says to a beautiful young woman from, say, Eastern Europe, you have performed well since you were age 12. You've, you've, been, you've been excellent for our organization. And now you're, you're 20 years old. And we want to offer you our, our supreme contract. You're now of age that you can enter into a business deal with us. What's the deal? Well, you're going to get married to one of our clients. And you will be paid this much money over the next 10 years. Doc, I really believe he sold beautiful young women to billionaires. And I've got one in mind because I know where he met his wife. He met his wife in the Kit Kat Club. And the person who introduced his wife, his future wife to him was Jocelyn Maxwell. And that person is Donald Trump. You're right. Donald Trump met Melania in the Kit Kat Club, introduced by Jocelyn Maxwell. It's the truth. You might not want to hear it. That's not my problem. My assignment is to tell you the truth. So did Donald Trump buy? Did he buy Melania from Jocelyn Maxwell? Did he take over the contract? Was it a business deal? Did he assume the contract? In other words, was Melania under contract to Jocelyn Maxwell? Because Maxwell, Jocelyn Maxwell was really the, 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 the Mossad agent running everything. Did she have a contract with Melania? And did, did she sell the contract to Donald Trump? And does Donald Trump own Melania? Has anybody asked that question? We just did, didn't we? I've asked it several times over the years. Makes people really mad. Oh, I, I mean, the hardcore Trump people get furious that, that I would talk like this. It's the truth. You want to clean up the country? Well, you can't put people back in the power that are, that are tainted, compromised by the Israelis. You haven't solved one thing in the country. You haven't solved anything. You're just changing faces. The, the clown that we have, Biden, right, his son is, is compromised. His son is compromised with so many prostitutes and spies that his father, Joe Biden, his hands are tied. He can't do anything. Right. And that's a whole different syndicate. That's the China syndicate yes. there. And, and Hunter Biden was so stupid, he filmed himself. He, he didn't even let the Chinese do it. He filmed himself doing it. Right. That's how so brazen they are with it. Yeah. So anyhow, we'll find out on January. It looks like uh, January, probably the second, uh, supposed to be the first day of January, but there's a holiday uh, so it'll be the first week of January, and we'll see if anything comes of it. Um, we still don't know the names that were on the uh, D.C. Madams yes. book. That disappeared, didn't it? That ABC was. News bought it, and what happened to it? It's the Madam died, and the black book disappeared. Right.
That was what, 85, 88? No, it was a, no, it was later now. We I was still, I was on True News at that oh, really? time. Really? Yeah, we were doing True well, News. Maybe I'm thinking the Mayf is it Mayflower Madam that you're thinking about? Yeah, there's there's different madams no, that have yeah, popped up in DC. Uh, you know something else has disappeared. The the um, intelligence file, the one that Donald Trump declassified the day before he left the White House or the day of the White House. The crossfire hurricane one. Yes. Do you know that the, the, the entire fa file has disappeared? <laughs> no kidding. It's gone. They can't find it. And the way that the media is spending it, they're trying to make it look like Trump stole it. <laughs> yes, that, that would be what they would say. Because it they're saying it implicated him, so he stole it. No, the people it, it implicated high-level people inside U.S. intelligence agencies. And they're the ones who got rid of it, just in case Trump gets back in the White House. Look, I mean, for all practical purposes, Trump is probably going to be the president of the United States. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm being politically uh, objective here. I mean, it appears that he's going to be the president of the United States. Politically. Politically. Okay. Uh I don't know how he's going to get out of his legal problems, but I'm not going to underestimate Donald Trump. He probably will be able to run out the clock in 2024, stretch those, stretch out those uh, trials. And um, if he gets in the White House, he'll pardon himself on all the federal charges. The only things that will be standing are the state charges. And there's a possibility that the county judge in Fulton County the young judge, right. I forget his name, is a young judge. Remember, we, we talked about that last year when, when he was given the case uh, in Fulton County, Georgia. There is a possibility that that judge may throw out the case. Really? Yes. If that happens, Donald Trump is all he's got to do is get to Election Day, be sworn in and then pardon himself on January 20th, and it's over. And I would not rule it out. That man has more than nine lives. And you may be wondering, well, Rick, you, you, you criticize him and you, and you compliment him. Yes, I'm just telling the truth. I, I, Donald Trump is a very complicated you, individual. <laughs> he's a complicated man, and you have to deal with him as he is. I'm not pro-Trump. I'm not anti-Trump. You... You have to admire him for his ability to overcome obstacles. He's had obstacles that would kill most people, kill them by stress. That man eats stress for breakfast. He's not bothered by stress. I mean, if he, if he is, he doesn't show it. Uh, so I'm not ruling it out. And, and you know, in the polls, he's, he's soaring. And yeah, he has a 67-point lead. It, among Republicans, 67 yes. points. And, and the media is trying to tell us that Nikki Haley is coming on strong. <laughs> the super Zionist, she's coming on strong. I want to get to some more news quickly. We, I've got a half hour here. Uh, major volcano eruption during the night in Iceland. Yes. This was expected for several months. There been hundreds of earthquakes at, at, at this uh, volcanic site, and it finally happened. ABC News reporting uh, on this and uh, uh, Doc, how serious is it? I've seen some video. 
It's some pretty dramatic video. We'll have a report from ABC here in just a moment. But this volcano began erupting Monday, and the uh, Met Service, the Meteorological Service in Iceland, said that an eruption has started north of Grindavik, and it can be seen on webcams and seems to be located uh, close to Hagafall, about two miles north of Grindavik. Uh, it follows an earthquake storm, swarm that started around 9 o'clock local time, and then the eruption began several hours later. Here's ABC News with an updated report. Overnight, an Icelandic eruption. The volcano's finally erupted. After weeks of warning, the volcano in southwest Iceland exploding, turning the sky bright orange. The glow from lava visible for miles, even from the center of the capital, Reykjavik, and not far from a power plant. Watch as fiery fountains of lava flow high in the sky. Magma, or semi-molten rock, spewing along the ridge of a hill and across the volcanic hotspot. They tend to be gas-rich, and that causes them to shoot way up in the atmosphere into the spectacular fire fountains. Thick smoke seen wafting skyward. These photos show the Earth's crust cracking open, exposing the glowing red ash, rocks, and dangerous volcanic matter below. Just last month, numerous cracks opening up in roads, steam pouring out of the ground as seismic activity intensified in the southwestern part of the country. The eruption occurring on Iceland's Reykjanes Peninsula, less than two miles from the town of Grindavik, which is about a half-hour drive from the country's main airport and just 10 minutes from the famous Blue Lagoon, one of Iceland's biggest tourist attractions. Local authorities on high alert, evacuating nearly 4,000 residents of the small fishing town amid fears of a significant outbreak. It is bigger than expected. While no flights have been canceled yet, holiday travelers fear widespread disruptions because of previous volcanic eruptions like this one back in 2010, which crippled air travel for days. We have some additional uh, uh, video here. It really is dramatic. This is uh, uh, where you see just geysers of molten lava popping up there. Uh, first of all, you have to really be brave to fly in a helicopter near some of this stuff. Uh, the, it's just dramatic images there. Here's some additional uh, scenes coming up. Rick, some of those geysers are reaching up to 330 feet in the air. Wow. That's how far they're going up there. And so uh, can you imagine looking out on the horizon from your hometown, from, from your house, and just seeing nothing but fire on the horizon? Uh, and geysers of, of of molten lava just jumping up into the air, and uh, I think people that are without Christ should look at this video and think about living inside of it for eternity, because that's what that's what the lake of fire looks like, except it's invisible, and the reason it's invisible is that there's no light. Yes, uh, there's the absence of Christ, the absence of God. There's no light inside the lake of fire. There's just fire. But that's what that's what eternity is going to be like for people that have rejected Jesus Christ or refused to accept him or just procrastinated. When I see something like that, Doc, that's 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 the first thing in my mind. I don't want to be there. Yes, that's not where I want to call home for eternity. A lake of fire. Uh, So will this. uh, Icelandic volcano, will this be temporary like it was in 2010, or is this the beginning of a series of volcano, uh, volcanic eruptions that um, could, could change the weather pattern right. of the entire planet? 
and uh, of course associated with volcanoes or earthquakes and uh, there were uh, earth earthquakes have been happening in Iceland over the past several weeks there was a major swarm last night before the eruption but that's not the only place where earthquakes are happening there was a major earthquake in China yesterday a 6.2 earthquake in uh, China's rural Gansu province now uh, it struck uh, some of China. This is one of China's poorest regions. Just before midnight last night, killing at least 127 people, uh, injuring hundreds and bringing down mud houses. Really, that never stood a chance. Uh, Chinese state media arriving at the uh, uh, Dahi village, one of the worst hit areas in China's northwestern Gansu province, found many homes were either at risk of collapse or had already crumbled to the ground especially homes built from earth and clay. Uh, these are some of the scenes from uh, that particular event that occurred last night. So uh, various uh, closed-circuit uh, cameras from around the area where you see the shaking and the collapse of buildings here. Uh, and this particular video uh, reported that 111 people have lost their lives. We know now it's at least 127. Uh, Recovery efforts are, of course, underway in Gansu, China. As you can see, nothing but rubble, flattened buildings, as the uh, Reuters report said. Most of the homes in these particular areas here are mud homes. And, uh, of course, in an earthquake situation, they uh, never really stood a chance at all. We have this report from Reuters that gives us more details. CCTV footage captures the moment an earthquake hit northwest China with people seen scrambling in panic to get out of a restaurant. At least 100 people were killed and hundreds more injured when the magnitude 6.2 quake struck Gansu province around midnight on Tuesday, according to Chinese state media. Thousands of rescue personnel were dispatched to the disaster zone and worked through the night. The impacted area is in a high-altitude region where the weather is cold. Some water, electricity, transportation, communications and other infrastructure have been damaged but officials provided no further details. It's still unclear how many people are missing. Daylight revealed the extent of the damage with homes and buildings reduced to rubble. Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen expressed condolences to China on Tuesday and offered her government's help. Earthquakes are common in western provinces such as Gansu, which lies on the eastern boundary of the Qinghai Tibetan Plateau, a tectonically active area. China's deadliest quake in recent decades was in Sichuan in 2008, during which nearly 70,000 people were killed. Well, we have some more end-time news, and it's not a volcano or an earthquake. It's apostasy. And here's the story that came out yesterday in the New York Times. Pope Francis allows priests to bless same-sex couples. Now, so they're going short of calling it marriage. Yes. But, but in all intents and purposes, it's exactly what it is. It's the first step. Right. You've got a Jesuit pope. He's a fake pope. He's an imposter. I've always believed that from the time he, uh, you know, began his uh, popery. Uh, he's 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 a he's a fake, and a lot of Catholics believe the same thing. A lot of Catholics. A lot of Catholics refuse to accept this man as as a genuine pope. Um, I think they put Pope Benedict under house arrest. And they installed this guy. Who, who, who's they? The globalists. They had to take control of the Catholic Church in order to move this world towards their end goal. Yes. And so they had to seize the Vatican. And they got their man in. 
and, and he's he's changing the doctrine of the Catholic Church. You can say anything you want to about the Catholics, but they have been they have been steadfast in certain doctrines, right? And particularly and, about life issues and about marriage issues. Yes, and also Freemasonry, right? But I'm convinced this guy is a Freemason. Officially, uh, you can't be a Catholic and a Freemason at the same time. But we know that the Masons have infiltrated the Vatican. And I, I believe that uh, Pope Francis is a Freemason. And we know he's a Jesuit. And he's, he's changing the doctrine of the Catholic Church. So now he's saying, I, I, I as the Pope, I'm, I'm authorizing priests to bless same-sex couples, as long as they don't call themselves married. Right. Show me that in the Bible, Doc. You can't find it because it's not there. But he made it up. Yes. Because the Pope has spoken it, it's the same as Scripture. Now, Vatican said Monday that Pope Francis had allowed priests to bless same-sex couples, his most definitive step yet to make the Roman Catholic Church more welcoming to LGBTQ Catholics, more reflective of his vision— of a more, what he's saying, pastoral and less rigid church. Now, the Vatican has long said it could not bless same-sex couples because it would undermine church doctrine that marriage is only between a man and woman. But the new rule made clear that a blessing of a same-sex couple was not the same as a married sacrament, a formal ceremonial rite. It also stressed that it was not blessing the relationship and that to avoid confusion, blessing should not be imparted during or connected to the ceremony of a civil or same-sex union, or when there are any clothing, gestures, or words that are proper to a wedding. What are they doing <laughs> within the framework of those rules? What are you blessing? Yeah, you're not blessing the relationship. You're not blessing the uh, sacrament of, of marriage. So what, what, what is the blessing about? So none of the guys can wear a gown. <laughs> Or so, tuxedo, I guess. <laughs> now, the strange times that we yes, live in. So uh, blessings instead are better imparted, the Vatican says, during a meeting with a priest, a visit to a shrine, during a pilgrimage, or as a prayer recited in a group. Now, this new rule was issued in a declaration, a rare and important Vatican document by the Church's Office on Doctrine, and introduced by its head, Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez, who said that the declaration, declaration did not amend the traditional doctrine of the church about marriage because it allowed no liturgical rite that could be confused with the sacrament of marriage. So, But they're doing everything but calling it marriage. Yes. That, that's the key. And there are many countries around the world, Philippines, Brazil, uh, that are major Catholic countries, that there are a lot of uh, gays and lesbians that identify themselves as Catholic. So you're going to have homosexual couples going into Catholic churches and a priest performing something that looks like a wedding ceremony, but it's not the official Catholic marriage liturgy. Right. They're going to come up with their own new ceremony, a blessing ceremony. But they're going to stand in front of, of the priest. church, in front of the priest, and he's going to speak a blessing over them. And they're going to kiss each other, and they're going to exchange rings. It's all blasphemy. Yes. It's, it's blasphemy, and we're, we're approaching the end of time. You know, this pope is actually starting to look like a false prophet. 
for decades, you know, Protestants said the Pope would be the false prophet of the Antichrist. Yes. Actually, for close to several centuries, they said that. For centuries, going back to the Reformation. This guy, Francis, he's actually actually confirming (laughs) what the old Protestant theologians said. Because I didn't believe it. But this guy is starting to look like a false prophet. It's... There's stuff happening, Doc, that in real time, that's just hard to comprehend that we're watching this happen. But it is part of the apostasy. There are two things that Apostle Paul said must happen before Jesus Christ returns. One, an apostasy, a great falling away. People fall away from the truth. It's not people that are outside of truth. It's the people who once had truth that fall away from truth. That's right. That's what apostasy is all about. And so many Christians miss that, where it talks about the falling away. Well, to fall away, you have to have been on something to fall away from. They think they look at pagans and go, look at that. Look at that apostasy. Look at what those pagans are believing. Oh, they were never saved. Right. They never knew the truth. It's people who claim to know Christ, who claim to be Christians, and they fall away from the truth. Yes. Paul said the truth the people had to fall away from the truth, a great apostasy, and then the son of perdition would be revealed, the one that they call Antichrist. He would be revealed. So the apostasy is in full bloom. You've got the Pope. Blessing same-sex marriages. All Doc, right, that's where we, we're at now. Doc, you know, we, 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 we do this often on issues, but if— but if, I, if 10 years ago, <laughs> if I would have said to you, Doc, the Pope is going to bless the, same-sex marriages have, in 2023. They're going to have homosexual blessing ceremonies in Catholic churches. Would you have believed it? Absolutely not. <laughs> that would have been so far off my radar, I couldn't even imagine it at that point in time. But now it's happening, and it's barely getting noticed. It's not even a blip on the radar. There's nobody gasping, or, oh, I can't believe that happened. No, rather, it's almost like, well, it's about time. About time the Catholics 30, 40, 50 years ago, people would have passed out. Oh, they would have called for the Pope to step down. I mean, can you, I mean, you could really oh, imagine yes. that. The Catholics would have done it. The Catholics would have been going to the Vatican with a rope. Now, oh, oh well, we're just, it's, the it's Catholic just Tuesday. Churches, we're just changing with the times. Well, the times are wicked. The times are evil. You don't want to conform to the times. You want to be standing apart from the times. And it's going to become very difficult and dangerous to stand for Jesus Christ while the rest of the world embraces Satan. Russia calls on BRICS to ditch the dollar. This is RT, RT reporting. Uh, that uh, the sustainable development of financial relations and settlements within the BRICS organization is very important for all member states, according to Russian finance minister Anton uh, Silyanov. Mm -hmm. The statement was made at the Russia-China Financial Dialogue Forum in Beijing on Monday, where Silyanov met with his Chinese counterpart, Lan Fong. So um, nothing new here. Uh, The BRICS have been moving in this direction for quite some time. RT says the BRICS group of emerging economies, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, has been discussing ways to facilitate payments in local currencies between member countries. 
the bloc aims to reduce their reliance on the U.S. dollar and the euro for accelerated growth. Uh, it quotes uh, Silanov as saying, we need to further develop financial cooperation within the BRICS country, countries. We, here we see opportunities to develop a payment system that would be independent of the infrastructure, which does not always fully fulfill the goals of individual countries. Therefore, the sustainable development of financial relations and settlements on the BRICS platform is important for us, and we believe that it is necessary to work out such issues, and today we consider a number of them. Uh, where we're headed is, there, we've said this before, There will, as we go into the second part of, of the 2020s, the world is splitting into two parts. At least two. At least two. It could end up with three. But there will be at least two world orders in the second half of the 2020s. The race is on to see who rules the 2030s. We, we could go into the 2030s and the 2040s and the 50s with two competing world orders. But that's what's underway. And so for us, you and me, the rest of our lives, I would say, well, depending on your age, for me, the rest of my life, I will live out the rest of my life with the world split between two world orders. But the way I look at it, it's just two sides of the same coin. You know. Where they're both fighting for Lucifer's empire. Right. You got to get this. Hmm. Both That's sides right. Understand that. are fighting to hold the, the top position in Lucifer's empire, in Satan's empire. One way or the other. I mean, they're not fighting to be the representative of Jesus Christ. They know that there's a world government coming. All of them know it. Yes. And they're fighting over it. And that world system is Satan's system. So it doesn't matter if it's BRICS or the United States, NATO, Europe. It doesn't matter. They're all fighting to be the ruler of the world, not the servant of Jesus Christ. But for now, for you and me, we're watching the decoupling of the world, the decoupling of the world from the U.S. dollar. This is underway right now. And nations will have to choose whose side that they're on. It has appeared for a number of years that the, the BRICS alliance will uh, introduce a gold-backed financial system. That's why they have been uh, buying up tons of gold every month for, Doc, I know for over a decade, I can go back to 2008 in my mind and remember the financial crisis of 2008 and nine. Russia and China were buying up massive amounts of gold. And I was telling the True News audience, you need to pay attention to this. There's a reason they're buying all this gold. We're headed towards a new financial system that's going to be gold back. Well, here, look at all the years that have gone by. We're now 2023. They're still buying gold. Yes. They're still stockpiling the gold. As the world splits and decouples from the dollar, it's not going to be so much that the dollar collapses. It's just going to fade away. No, it's not even going to fade away, Doc. It's just being, it's just radically devalued. Okay. So like. Uh, to be, be, you know, it, it's, like we're the, on track the, to the become front. a Zimbabwe uh, note. Okay. It'll still have some 
value, but not it won't be king of the hill anymore. That's right. I mean, the British right. pound was once king of the hill. Right. The French franc was king of the hill at yes. one time. So right now we're witnessing the price of gold going up per ounce. Gold is not increasing in value. The dollar is decreasing in value. That's how you have to see it. The reason that gold is going up is because the dollar is going down. Got it. The inflation has eroded the value of the dollar. So, you know, you've heard this said before. <laughs> uh, an ounce of gold, it really hasn't lost its, its, its it, or I should say like this, a, a, a $20 gold piece can still buy the same things of what it could do a hundred years ago. It's just that the dollar itself has devalued. Right. The dollar is going down in value. That's why you should be moving your assets. I'm not giving you financial advice. I got to be careful here. I would, I would, I would encourage you to consider reordering your financial holdings that you have less exposure to the U.S. dollar, less exposure to um, the stock market. Although we see Warren Buffett, he's selling off his stocks to accumulate dollars because he wants dollars so that uh, he's expecting he's expecting some major financial turbulence in the coming year. And he wants those. He wants dollars in hand to buy up things for pennies on the dollar. But if you, but if you, if you're invested in the stock market, you you should seriously consider repositioning all or some of your holdings in the stock market and move it into gold, precious metals. Uh, if you have a if you have a retirement account, you have to be thinking about how you can convert it over to gold. Um, Gold is going up in value, and every day that it goes up in value, you're missing another day to get in on the growth. Call the people at Genesis Gold. They'll tell you all about this. They're the experts. Uh, you know, there's uh, we have a truenewsgold.com. Those are the people to talk to. Just get in touch with Genesis Gold and say, just tell me. Tell me how I roll over my retirement account into gold. They'll fill you in on all this. I want to get back to World War III. Uh, another RT story. NATO troops directly involved in Ukraine conflict, says Russia. It says several NATO member states have boots on the ground in the Ukraine uh, conflict, says Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shigou. He alleged that Western military personnel are operating certain weapon systems, and that hundreds of satellites belonging to the U.S.-led military bloc are providing Kiev with surveillance. I absolutely believe that statement there. Uh, speaking at a meeting of the defense ministry officials on Tuesday, uh, where President Putin was also present, General Shogu stated that the uh, NATO service members are directly operating air defense systems, tactical ballistic missiles, and multiple launch rocket systems in Ukraine. Now, he cited radio intercepts featuring English and Polish speakers, and according to the minister, Western officers are also playing an active role in preparing Ukrainian military operations, as well as training troops both in their home countries and in Ukraine. 
working in the Ukrainian Armed Forces' interests are 410. He had a very specific number, Rick. 410 NATO military and dual-purpose space devices. He also lauded Russia's defense industry for ramping up production the past 18 months and helping prevent ammunition shortages on the front lines. He said, despite the sanctions, we are manufacturing more high-tech weaponry than NATO countries are, Shogu continued. And so this is just another facet of the current conflict that we are calling World War III. World War III is not on its way. World War III is underway right now. And we've got NATO actively involved in the war. It's not a big surprise to anybody, but the Russians are now saying it. Yes. And they're going on record saying, we want the world to know that we are fighting NATO. And that NATO has been in Ukraine killing Russian soldiers. That's the way the Russians are seeing it. Right. So the Russians are saying, when when we launch our attack on NATO... Uh, don't anybody be crying for them. They asked for it. They got involved in this fight, yes. and they're going to pay the consequences of being in the fight. Again, what does that mean for you and me? You and I could be the collateral damage in a war between Russia and NATO. And I don't want to be collateral damage. I want to survive. I want to live. And that's why I'm going to do everything I can to prepare. And preparing includes having food, having water, having a, a way to cook the food, yes. having the basic necessities to get through the worst times. That's the responsibility of all of us. And to not do it is foolishness. Uh, you know, as the Bible says that even, even ants store food. Do you know how how big is an ant brain? If if I put this pen dot, I, I don't know any Democrats, and so okay. <laughs> if, if I take this ink pen and I I, I put a uh, dot, all right, right there. You guys can't even see that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, see that dot? Is that the size of an ant brain? That might be bigger than. An That's ant really brain. a big one, isn't so. it? So if an ant with a brain smaller than that ink dot has enough sense to store food. Yeah, think about that. How come humans with a big old brain in their skull, does, how, how come humans don't store food? How come they, they just convince themselves the stores will always be open, no matter what happens? There will always be food. The trucks will be coming every day bringing the food to the grocery store. Why do they think like that? It's not normal. In thousands of years, nobody, no human ever thought that way. For thousands of years, only until the last 20, 30 years, have people started thinking there's always going to be food. The trucks will always be running. The, The shelves will always be full. That is foolishness. You have to assume there's not going to be food. That if there's a war, there's a catastrophe, if a super volcano explodes, the, the, the world food production will, will, will be disrupted for a decade or two. Yes. Temperatures will drop. You don't know what is going to happen. And to, to say, I'm not going to prepare, I'm not going to store food, is really quite foolish. So, uh, you, know, you know, my recommendation, it's American Reserves. 
And uh, this is a great company, and they're working with True News. They've set aside how many months has it been? Three, four months now? I, I forget when we started. They set aside a, approximately a million dollars worth of food for the True News audience. And you guys have been really digging into that reserve. You've, you've, you've yes. moved. Um, honestly, I've been amazed at the reports I'm getting from American Reserves. Um, our audience has bought almost the entire million dollars worth. Really? Yes. I, I knew it was a high number. It's, but it's a substantial that. amount. Our True News audience has purchased almost the $1 million. Uh, I, I, would, I would think that probably by the end of January, that $1 million stash of food set aside for True News will be gone. That's how many people watching this program have been buying food from American Reserves. Uh, you deserve credit. I'm very happy for you. And uh, relieved to know that so many people watching us are taking action to prepare. So um, go to AmericanReserves.com, check out their inventory, and don't forget about you know what the, You know what? Two things that, besides the food, what I'm hearing from the American Reserves people is that um, the shortwave radios, our audience is buying up a lot of shortwave radios. Good. I, a lot of our people didn't have a shortwave radio. It's all new to them. And so they bought their first shortwave radio. The other thing is the Brookfield water filter. Right. The, and the original. The original. The granddaddy. See, what a lot of you know is a brand that has Burke in the name. <laughs> Um, but it's uh, it's a knockoff. It started originally 25 years ago. It started as a U.S. distributor for British Burkefield, the manufacturer, the originator of the gravity water filter with the Dalton ceramic candles that came from Great Britain. Right. And what was being sold? Shortwave radio, Alex Jones show, Infowars, a lot of the alternative news back in the 90s and the early 2000s. It, it, the name had Burke in it, and they were selling products from British Burkefield. But that company along the way decided to start offering cheap Chinese knockoffs without the, the, the Dalton ceramic filters. They went with a, a black Chinese carbon filter. But the name Burke was still in it. Right. Okay. Um, you, you know what I'm doing. I'm dancing around it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dance around it. But you know who I'm talking about. But times okay? have changed. The and, times and, have changed. And now that the company, British Burkefield, can offer this directly to people here in the U.S. So American Reserves is selling the, the original British Burkefield gravity filters. A lot cheaper than the Chinese knockoff. Compare it. Besides, the company I'm talking about, is not, they're not even selling anything anymore. They're basically, it looks like they're, they're out of business for whatever is going on. I understand there's a lawsuit. If you go to their website, everything says out of stock. Okay. Uh, but look at their prices. That was for the Chinese knockoff. 
American Reserves is selling the original British Brookfield for cheaper, a cheaper price than what the other company was selling the knockoff. And you've got to keep in mind, you can have all the emergency food in the world, but if you don't have clean water, if you don't have water... <laughs> you're, you're done. That's in right. In about three to five days, Because you're done. All, the, all the preparation food requires water. Um, I'm going to jump down, guys, in control room. Do we have... Um, is it is it uh, is it number um, twenty four? Is this the children um, begging for food and water in Gaza? Is that it? I uh, believe uh, no. Uh, twenty three is twenty three. I believe so. No, no. That, is this the one you're thinking about? Yeah, that's it right there, folks. That's that's a real scene from Gaza this morning. Children begging for food and water. That's, that's what the Israeli Zionists have done to two and a half million people in Gaza. They've taken away their food and the water. Can you, um, can you destroy a population of two and a half million people by taking away their food? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, You've got to have food and water. No, in an interview that we were listening to yesterday with that doctor that worked in the several hospitals, yes. he said that one of the first targets that the IDF hit were bakeries in Gaza. Yes, to take away the bread. Bread's a staple of life. They took away the bread. I mean, just to think. Just not a military target. No, a bakery. All not, not the bakeries. A, not a, a weapons depot. They went after bakeries. Doc, that's diabolical. It's wicked. It's evil. It means the Israelis said, the first thing we're going to do is starve them to death. That's right. That was the plan. That's a, that's a war crime. Even if they never shot one child, that's a war crime. Because you consciously decided as a military operation to destroy the sources of food. Do you need to store food? I would say Yes. Are people wicked enough to deliberately take away your food? Yes. Could that happen in our country? Yes. 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 You have to you have to have more food that you can ride out whatever storm comes our way. And and so that's why I encourage you to go to American Reserves. Um, we're gonna take a short break for station ID, the folks over at WWCR. International Shortwave. We love those folks. And you don't have a shortwave radio, go to American Reserves and buy one of those great radios. And I've got them in two different colors. Check it out at AmericanReserves.com. I'll be back in about 15 seconds. You're listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find true news on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. Uh, welcome back uh, to True News. Uh, we're, we're nearing the end of the year. I want to encourage our our audience uh, to uh, prayerfully consider a generous end-time um, gift to this ministry. It is an end-time gift. But why do I say it's an end-time gift? There'll be a day that you're not able to give anymore. Right. It's just that simple. 
Um, you know, it when after Christ comes back, uh, you want an angel to ask you, hey, what did you do during the last days? What did you do for our, our king in the last days? Y- you need to have a story. A hit in a bunker. Yeah, you got to have, you got to have, what are you going to say? Uh, we're, we're, we're approaching the last days of December as the world is approaching its last days. And true news is, I think, I don't think that there's another ministry on the cutting edge as much as we are. I can't think of who it is. I'm not bragging about us. I'm just saying I can't think of anybody else that's out in the front saying the things that we say. I just don't know. I can't think of anyone, Doc. In America, they've all become mushy. I, I can't watch any of their stuff anymore. I can't listen to it. Or they've sold out to they've, the Zion I mean. plan. That's what so. I mean. They've sold out. I, You know, um, we don't plan to go away. As long as the Lord takes care of us, we're going to keep going. And we encourage you to uh, partner with us. Uh, there's an address on the screen. Of course, truenews.com is the place to give online. There's a phone number, 800 576 2116 mailing address for checks and money orders and precious metals. People donate precious metals to us. P.O. Box 399, Vero Beach, Florida, 32961. And all you folks out there listening on shortwave radio, we'd like to hear from you. We took on a big financial burden uh, to reach you again after many, many years. And we just, we did it believing that the people who listen to WWCR would financially support us each month. So that address is P.O. Box 399, Vero Beach, Florida, 32961. I'm going to go through some headlines really quick before we go to Morning Manna. Um, Number 19, BRICS member charges Israel with war crimes. This is South Africa. South Africa has submitted all the necessary legal paperwork to the International Criminal Court to bring war crime charges against Israel. This is real now, folks. It's happening. Number 20, uh, this is from Turkey. Gaza war is a grave threat to Egypt's national security, says President Sisi, This uh, right after he won re-election to his third term. And uh, I'm going to show you some quick videos here. Um, this first one, number 22, these are children. Look at this, folks. This is last night's harvest of souls. Little angels murdered by the Israelis. That's real, folks. I've put this on X platform several times, and they've deleted it every time. The people at X don't want me to show that to people. You're seeing it. These are That's just in one building where they, they, they gathered the corpses of children killed during the night. This is happening all over Gaza every day. Look at their little faces. What did they do to deserve death? They were born on land the Israelis covet. That's their crime. And the Israelis said they got to die. The next one, this is an Israeli airstrike that has killed. uh, Look at this man. Look at that. He's burned. He's burned to a like a cracker. Who does this to human beings? The IDF. The IDF. 
That could be your son. It could be your brother. What did he do to deserve it? He's on land that the Zionists covet. We showed you the children. Um, number 25, do we have time? Let's, let's watch this one also. This is several, you're going to see several children being wrapped up in their final shrouds here uh, in the hospital. This one really touched me. I mean, it's like seeing this little baby wrapped up and being carried to, they, I would say bury them in the cemetery, but the IDF's bombing bombing the cemeteries. They're not dead enough. They got to blow up cemeteries. Do you understand that folks? The Israelis are now bombing cemeteries. Why? Total humiliation. We're going to double kill your people. You, we'll kill them, you bury them, and we'll blow them up in the grave. Right. It's so wicked. I, I can't even comprehend the depth of the wickedness. But these little children, day after day after day, dying. Why? Because Netanyahu wants their land. That's the only reason. He wants their land. Because they're going to build condominiums and resorts on the beach of Gaza. And off the coast is gazillions of dollars worth of natural gas. That's what it's all about. And so two and a half million people have to die. God, oh Lord, please, please put an end to this madness. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Morning Manna. Are you concerned about this economic storm and how your IRA and 401k will fare during these turbulent times? Top experts are predicting now is the time to be protecting your assets with physical gold and silver. Find out why Genesis Gold Group is the number one recommended company by your favorite preppers and homestead channels. Receive Genesis Gold Group's free definitive gold guide today or give them a call at 800-200-GOLD. Dear gracious, dear gracious Heavenly Father, Father, we thank you for giving us life today. We woke up alive, saved, blessed, and we are grateful. Thank you, Father. We worship you, we praise you, we magnify you, and we glorify your Son, Jesus Christ. We welcome your Holy Spirit into our day. We know the Holy Spirit is with us. 24-7, but we we welcome the Holy Spirit to allow the Holy Spirit to know that he is desired and needed and welcomed in our lives. So, Holy Spirit, please take charge of this morning manna Bible study and teach us the word of our Heavenly Father and illuminate our hearts and minds about Jesus Christ, our Savior, and his kingdom. In his name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, first of all, welcome to everyone from all over the world joining us for this uh, daily Bible study. We appreciate you tuning in today. Today, we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 26, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. I'll be reading from the King James. So if you have your Bibles, let's follow along here with us today as we study the Word of God. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day, 
before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning. If they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our 12 tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. He goes on to say, Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. God bless the reading of his word today. Uh, quite the testimony before Agrippa so far. Yes. He's got his, um, he's got the uh, kingly audience. Verse one. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. It's, uh, it's noteworthy that King Agrippa, not Festus the governor, took the initiative to allow Paul to speak on his own behalf. This permission uh, was essential because as a prisoner, Paul would not have had the right to speak without authorization. And what we see in verse 1 is permission to give his testimony came from the highest authority in the court chamber. Nobody could dispute. Anybody who was present in the courthouse, in the courtroom, could dispute or challenge Paul's right to speak because authorization to speak came from the king. Yes. Um, if, if Festus would have given permission, there would still have been the possibility that King Agrippa would have stopped it. So it was the king who spoke up. And so, again, everybody there knew uh, Paul has been granted permission from the king to speak. The next thing to, to take note is that you know, Paul obviously was a prisoner. And so it, it seems to me, Doc, that uh, pr probably one of his arms, his hands, was chained to a, a guard. Probably, yes. Because you know, the reason I say this is that verse 1 says that he, Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. 
So if one, let's say his left arm was chained to a soldier, with his right hand, he stretched forth his hand and began to make his speech. So he takes the pose of an orator. There's something regal, noble about Paul. And King Agrippa and Governor Festus notice this, this aura about Paul. He's, he's a dignified man. He lifts his hand towards the king and the governor and begins his address. It um, signals his eagerness to speak, to defend himself. It, it, just lifting his hand and looking in the eyes of the king, it captured the attention of the audience. It, it emphasized the gravity of the moment. Everybody there knew. This guy, this prisoner, Paul, he's not your ordinary prisoner. This is a very important man. And he's in chains because Jews want him dead. Verse 2, Paul says, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate that today I shall make my defense before you against all the accusations of the Jews. So Paul uses wisdom. He began his defense by addressing the king with courtesy and respect. He didn't call him names. He didn't say, oh, dear, I'm, things couldn't get any worse. I, 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 my, my life is in the hands of King Agrippa. No, he showed, he showed respect to the king, regardless of what he thought about him. He's using wisdom. In today's world, there's a, a severe lack of wisdom. Boy, isn't that the truth? Wow. No. Especially, People, especially in social media, isn't that the... Social media has made people... Antisocial. <laughs> they made them antisocial. They're not friendly. They're not respectful. They say anything they want to say because they're hiding in their house or their car or wherever they are on their phone, and they can just they can just shoot off their mouth and say anything to anybody and show no respect, no courtesy, uh, and and no wisdom. Yes. So Paul says, I'm happy. <laughs> I, I, I consider myself blessed. I'm fortunate because here I am in chains. And of all the people who could hear my defense, I am blessed that it is King Agrippa who is going to decide my fate. Right. Would you say the same things if you were before a king, how would you speak if, if you were before the governor or the president of the United States or, or any high official, if you were in handcuffs, how would you speak? What wisdom would you use? So 
he anticipates, he's saying, because he goes on, he, he says, um, I'm going to make my defense before you against all of these accusations of the Jews. And so he's setting, he's setting the, the uh, stage here to say to King Agrippa, uh, I know that you have a deep knowledge of the Jews, their beliefs, their rituals, their customs, their ways, and their, um, you know, their, their, their vendettas. You know the way they act. And, and so he's setting the stage for his defense, where he's going to respond to the accusations made by the Jews. And he's letting the king know that he intends to answer the accusations made against him. Verse 3, especially because you, king, you are an expert in all customs and controversies of the Jews. Yes. Therefore, I beg you to patiently listen to me. You know, so I can, I can, I can in, imagine King Agrippa sitting there, you know, in his robes, his crown, every, you know, all the pomp, uh, the majesty of being a king, um, he's sitting there quietly looking at Paul and thinking, man, you're smooth. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're just pouring it on, Paul. Keep talking, boy. Keep talking, okay? Because you're an expert, king. You're an expert in all things. You know everything, king. You know everything about the Jews, the customs and the controversies. See, he didn't say um, the evil things that the Jews do. He says the controversies, you know, the things that is controversial about the Jews. And because you're an expert, King, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you, King, to patiently listen to me. Don't make up your mind before I speak. Listen to me. Because you understand the Jewish customs and rituals and arguments and debates, and I, I need your patience to provide a careful examination of the charges against me. Verse 4, Paul says, again, he's speaking directly to the king. He's looking at the king. He's looking in his eyes. My, there was nobody else to talk to. The room was full of people, but there's only one person to speak to, the king. Yes. Why would you talk to the bailiff? Why would you talk to the, the you know, the, the office secretaries who, who got in just to watch the drama? Right. And, and his audience right now, of course, was King Agrippa. Technically, Paul wasn't on trial here, but this was a testimony that he was giving to King Agrippa because Agrippa was going to advise Festus yes. on his report that he was going to be giving to Rome. That's right. So everything hinged on what Agrippa said. I mean, King Agrippa, to what he was going to tell Festus. Verse 4, Paul says to the king, my manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning of my own nation 
and at Jerusalem. Let me say this again. Paul said, my manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning in my own nation and at Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. So Paul begins his defense by telling King Agrippa about his upbringing, his early life, that he spent most of his life in Jerusalem. And he says, King, all these people here know about me. I'm well known among the Jews, especially in Jerusalem. This is an important part of his defense because he's establishing a deep connection to Jewish tradition. Right. He's letting the king know, I'm not a foreigner. I'm not an outsider. I've been a Jew all my life. Most of my life was in Jerusalem. And, and, and he's getting ready to um, tell the king about his conversion to faith in Jesus Christ. But he's, he's laying the groundwork. He's setting the foundation. I was raised as a Jew. I was educated in Phariseeism by the best of the best. Everybody here knows it. Doc, you know, something I, this morning when I was reading this, um, when, when he said, everybody here knows it, he says, this is well known by all the Jews. Something that came to my mind was perhaps the main motivation for the Jewish elite wanting to kill him, which they pursued him. For years, from city to city. Up until today, I was thinking it was because of his testimony of Christ and that he was he was leading Gentiles to Christ. But I started to see this morning, Doc, that really the underlying motivation was they considered him a traitor. Ah, uh, yeah, I could see that. Yes. He said, I am well known by all the Jews. Everybody, in other words, King Agrippa, all these people here know me. They know who I am. They know my education. They know I was trained, educated by Gamaliel. I'm the best of the best of the Pharisees. They all know it. It, it, it dawned on me today what, what really drove them with <laughs> hatred was that they considered him a traitor to Judaism. Right. Hmm. Jesus and the resurrection, all that, that was secondary. The primary motive for the Jews wanting to kill Paul was he left Judaism. Yes. <clears throat> Look, I... I see this among the um, in the Arab countries, uh, among the Muslims. You know, people uh, will say to me, well, "Rick, uh, you know, aren't you aren't you uh, really apprehensive about being around Muslims?" And and I'm like, "No, they're really friendly people. Yes, they're very very gracious and kind and hospitable. hospitable you know, and well, well what about your your Christian faith. Oh, they they love it. You want to be a Christian? That's wonderful. 
you know, we respect you. Well, where does the problem come? The problem comes in when you witness to a member of their family and lead that that Muslim to Christ and they convert to belief in Jesus Christ. And at that point, they, they view you as um, that you have shown disrespect to their family and you have called somebody in their family to renounce Muhammad. Right. And it's it's odd. You can talk to them because they believe Jesus is going to return. That Jesus. Oh, absolutely. They also oh, believe they love Jesus. They, they love also, Jesus. They yeah. also believe that Jesus will judge the world. Yes. They, they believe that. Yes. Uh, it's so many things. Uh, they actually believe kind of in an antichrist too, uh, the Mahdi. And so yes. there's a lot of things that that line up. But if you if someone converts from being a Muslim to a Christian, it could be a real problem. And we've got some so, so that, so, that can justify So that. what happens is they, they consider their family member who converts to be a traitor. Right. This is the this is what I'm saying about the Jews at the time of Paul. They're saying, man, we we invested, we, we, you know, the the Jewish people, the Judaism, we invested a lot of resources and time into you, Paul. You, you were trained by Gamaliel. Do you know how many people would would have loved to sit at the feet of Gamaliel and be trained in Phariseeism? And then you just threw it all away, Paul. Well, Paul, you're a worthless skunk. You're a traitor. And I, I think this is what was the driving motivation among the Jews to kill Paul. They wanted to punish him. Hmm. Punish him for leaving Judaism. So we get to verse five. They knew me. Well, who's they? The Jews. They, the Jews, knew me from the beginning and could testify if they wished how according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. He's continuing to speak directly to King Agrippa direct eye contact with the king and he's saying your majesty these people over here these people making false accusations against me they have known me from the beginning and if you called them up here right now and put them under oath they would testify that i was trained in the strictest sect of the jewish religion i was a pharisee so he's, again, he's, he's telling the king, my accusers have known me from, for decades. And if you, if you force them to come up here, they would have to testify that what I'm saying is true. Right. Then we get to um, verse, verse 6. And now I stand on trial for hope in the promise made by God to our fathers. So this what is, is that hope? Th this, is, this is where Paul begins to pivot in his defense from telling the king who he is 
that his accusers have known him for decades from his youth, that he was the strictest of Jews. And he says, and they're, they're trying to kill me because of my hope in the promise made by God to my fathers, to our fathers. What he's really saying here is the traitors are these people over here. They are the traitors. They're the traitors to God. I'm, I've remained true and faithful to God because I, I believe in the hope of the promise. Yes, the resurrection. Raising Which the is dead. the resurrection. Paul says, I'm on trial for one reason. I have not broken any Roman laws. I'm not a domestic terrorist. I'm not a murderer. I haven't I'm broken Jewish laws. I haven't broken... Go ahead, Doc. I haven't even broken Jewish laws. That's right. Yeah, in fact, I'm living it out. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm the real Jew, and they're the fake Jews. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm staying on course with the, with the promises made by God to our fathers, going back to Abraham. And that hope was the expectation of the Messiah and his kingdom and the resurrection of the dead. And, and so Paul's trial was deeply connected to the national hope of Israel. The hope of Israel. It's not what is the hope of Israel. It's who is the hope of Israel. Amen. The hope of Israel is not a thing. It's a person. It's Jesus. See, the, the, the gullible, deceived evangelical Christians in America, they're teaching in their churches that the hope of Israel is the reclaiming of the land. That is a lie. That is blasphemous. Amen. The hope of Israel is the Messiah. And with the Messiah comes eternal life, which means the resurrection from the dead. It's not about land. It's not about greater Israel. It's not about building a temple. It's not about the U.S. moving the capital, moving its embassy to... That's all nonsense. The hope of Israel is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the promise of eternal life that he brings with him. So Paul is, is telling the king, I'm on trial for my faith in the promise of God, the hope of the Messiah's coming, and the resurrection. This promise was made by God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is the hope of the Messiah, the kingdom eternal life. That's why I'm on trial here today, King. Verse 7, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve God day and night. Concerning this hope, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. It, it's, uh, it's very interesting here that he, he refers to the 12 tribes. Yes. 
because the Jews are only members of one tribe. He says, he brings up the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes hope to obtain this promise from God. But I'm accused by one tribe. It's one tribe that's rejecting God's promise. You ever seen it, Doc? Uh, it, it didn't occur to me till just now. Uh, James one one talks about the twelve tribes too, in, in his, uh, you know, in his letter. Uh, and but I never made that connection to on this passage till just now, as you're saying that. So, uh, again, uh, bring it up to modern times. Most uh, most American Christians have. Uh, a distorted view of Israel. They see it as a modern-day political state. Israel in the Old Testament Bible represented the people of God, the people who were set aside by God. To be set aside means to be made holy. If something is holy, it means it's been set aside for the purposes of God. Right. And Israel had 12 tribes, not one. Jews come from the tribe of Judah. Well, where are the other 11 tribes right now, today, in 2023? Where are they? Because this thing in, in Palestine that calls itself Israel does not represent 12 tribes. Only the tribes of the Jews, of Judah, the tribe of Judah. If they're if they are really descendants of the tribe of Judah, that's another another lesson. But let's just say they are. Let's say that the present day Jews in Israel are descendants of the tribe of Judah. Where are the other eleven tribes? Well, the way they're trying to spin it today is that Jewry encompasses all twelve tribes. And that all 12 are automatically Jews. Well, that's not what, that's no. not true. No, Jews were from the tribe of Judah. And they were in living in where? Judea. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. And so you, when, when the kingdom split, you had, you had the northern tribes of Israel, and then the southern was Judah. So Paul says, he points this out to the king. The king, remember, he's an expert. King Agrippa is an expert in the in the ways and the customs and the beliefs of the Jews. So he points out to the king that this belief in the Messiah and the resurrection of the dead is something that the 12 tribes of Israel have always hoped to obtain. And they they serve God day and night. But concerning this hope, this hope of the Messiah, the hope of the resurrection, I'm accused accused by one tribe, the Jews. So the 12 tribes represent the whole nation of Israel, united in their hope for the fulfillment of God's promises. One tribe is rejecting the promise. We get to verse 8. 
why is it judged incredible by you that God raises the dead? He's asking the king a question. I'm, I'm here before you as a prisoner because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. Well, King Agrippa, why is that so crazy to you? Why is that so incredible to you? And it's, it's important that he brings that out to Agrippa because later on in chapter 26, he asks Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. He says mm -hmm. to him, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And one of the prophets was Daniel. And Daniel 12, 2 says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And yes. so the Holy Spirit is leading Paul along this way here, not only to give a testimony of what's happening to him, but to also present the gospel. And the hope of the gospel is the resurrection. That, that yes. is it. Without the resurrection, there is no gospel. And you know, right. today's modern theologians and and uh, cemetery keepers and everything seek to get rid of the resurrection. When you get rid of the resurrection, you get rid of the gospel. You kill Christianity without the resurrection. And so Paul is bringing this out. I'm on trial here because I believe that God raises the dead. So Doc, look at what uh, look at what the the Zionists have done to the American evangelical church over the past 125 years. They have shifted slowly, incrementally. They have shifted the focus of the church from the resurrection, which Paul said, this is the central, central message, King Agrippa. So today, the American churches have, mo have moved from being focused on the resurrection and now they're focused on the political state of Israel. So, in other words, what you're saying is they have a greater belief in the resurrection of Israel than they do in the resurrection of Christ. Yes. Amazing. Yes. That, that, that's a keeper. That was worth getting up this morning and coming to morning manna. I, I, I won't even charge for that one. You man, you hit it on the head, Doc. They believe in the resurrection of the nation of Israel more than they believe in the resurrection of Christ. Yes. So Paul asks the question: Why, why, why is believing in the resurrection of the dead considered unbelievable? Why is that? Why is that considered incredible that God can raise the dead? And then he makes the argument. If God has the power to create life, then raising the dead should not be seen as impossible. So he's assuming that King Agrippa believes in God. Yes. And believes that all life comes from God. And so he's saying, King, think about this. I know you believe in God. I know you believe that your life and all of our lives were given to us by God. So why is, why is it so impossible to believe that the God who gave us life the first time could not give us life a second time? <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. <laughs> it's the same God. And, and he's saying, the resurrection of the dead is consistent with the power and the attributes of God. 
And he's he's appealing to Agrippa, who, Doc, as you pointed out, accepted the books of Israel, accepted the Torah, accepted the prophets. And, and he's saying, King, because you, you accept these holy books, then it should not be difficult for you to accept the resurrection of the dead. Then verse 9, I too thought that I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus. In Acts 26, 9, Paul opens up about his past beliefs and actions, and he confesses to the king that he too at one time was a staunch opponent of Jesus and thought that he had to do many things contrary to his holy name. In other words, he's saying, King, there was a day I was just like these Jews who want to kill me. Uh, there was a day I would have been out there in that crowd of false accusers. I, too, was a false accuser. I put people to death. So he's, he's starting to tell his story now from being a, a persecutor of Christians to being one of them. And, he, and he's, he's saying, King, I'm about to tell you of the power of Jesus Christ to transform a life. That my life was radically changed by one encounter with this resurrected Christ. I've never been the same, King. So he's setting the stage for the major theme of his defense before King Agrippa, where he recounts the story of his conversion and his call to ministry. Verse 10, which I indeed did in Jerusalem and locked up many of the saints in prison by authority from the chief priests. And when they were killed, I cast my vote against them. King now, I, I can picture the king kind of leaning up from his chair, listening in, intently to Paul. Paul, are you confessing to me that you had people killed? Now, Doc, would you confess to a king that you were a murderer? Not when I'm on trial. <laughs> well, he just he just incriminated himself. Yes, but he had authority to do it, though. I mean, ah. Uh -huh. That's there you go. That's that's it. He had he made, his his murder was legal. That's right. Murder's okay when it's legal. Yeah. But the, but the king was listening, thinking, wait a minute, Paul, you you you're you're starting to confess to me you put Christians to death. So he acknowledges that he actively participated in the persecution of Christians in Jerusalem. And that included imprisoning many of the saints and killing them. And, and it was his testimony that put them to death because it says, I gave my voice to them. Yes, I gave my voice to them. Wow. Think, you know, we, we, we don't often consider what Paul had to live with 
for decades before he perished. Uh, the thought that his the the testimony that he gave prior to his conversion put the holy ones, the saints, to death. You can understand why people didn't trust Paul. That they you know that he that there was something going on with him even after his conversion. Uh, so that that's another reason why you know he, he struggled for so many years. So. Uh, but he's he's on fire here. And, and even though God forgave Paul of his sin, his many sins against Christians, murder, um, God also chose that he would make Paul suffer all his life. That's a hard one to understand. It is. Paul had to suffer his entire life. He was pursued by Jews who wanted to kill him until the day they killed him. And he he had to live this over and over and over. The, the pursuer was pursued. Yes. And he was always saying, I can't hate them because that was me. Yes. I used to do the same things. I can't hate them. I know why they're doing it. They're deceived. They're lost. But they're doing to me what I did to others. Yes. It's like uh, I, I, with Peter, you know, who denied the Lord Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. And so after, after the resurrection... If Jesus forgave Peter, I believe he hugged him. I believe he kissed his cheek, said, Peter, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. But I believe that Peter, we lived it every morning, every morning until he died when he heard the rooster crow. I believe it kept Peter humble. When he heard that rooster crow, I think he, he closed his eyes and said, oh, dear God, thank you for forgiving me for denying Christ. Well, how about after the resurrection, though, Rick, when Jesus, there on the seashore, and he's talking to Peter, and he three times he says, feed my sheep. Yes. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. And you've got to know he's going, Jesus said that three times. Yes. He, he He knew about the rooster. Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Three times. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. He was, when he, he asked Jesus, I mean, he had, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Three times. Three times Peter had to affirm in the positive. Yes. Yes. Those, you know those, those positive affirmations were undoing the negative affirmations before the crucifixion. He was saying to Peter, "Your the use of your tongue to speak something positive now has undone what your tongue did before my crucifixion. You have to speak it three times. Praise God. Because you denied me three times. Now you have to confess you love me three times. Right. 
So I, I think Paul had to go through this entire life with the Jews pursuing him, and he knew why they were pursuing him. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. He was forgiven but pursued. Forgiven but persecuted. He points out to the king, mm. now these murders that I committed, they were all legal, King Agrippa, because you see this group out here, the Sanhedrin? They gave me papers. They gave me legal papers to go kill the Christians. This is the same group that I used to serve. Right. And it's it's significant. He, you know, he received papers from the high priest to do this. Well, the high priest was appointed by in King Agrippa's seat. He appointed the high priest in the temple. Mm-hmm. So indirectly, King Agrippa, <laughs> you know, yes. authorized this because he appointed the high priest. That's right. So um, Paul goes on to mention that some of those persecuted Christians were uh, in prison. Others were put to death. Um, you know, he's referencing uh, the martyrdom of Stephen uh, without saying Stephen's name. You know, it's like, hey, I, I gave him my voice. I approved of it. I affirmed, I affirmed the false accusations. I affirmed the, the, uh, the plots to kill them. I was in on all of it, King Agrippa. I, I, I understand what these people are doing to me right now because I, I did it to others with their approval. Verse 11, I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being extremely enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. The same thing these Jews are doing to Paul. Yes. I traveled. Suing him. Yes, I did the same thing. Yes. He, uh, Paul, continues to recount his actions as a persecutor of Christians. Um, he, he, he confesses to repeatedly punishing and persecuting believers. He's, he's, he's telling the king about the intensity of his zealousness for Judaism. And he said, I went, I went into every synagogue looking for a Jew that believed in Jesus. And not only that, I went to foreign cities to track them down and bring them back to Jerusalem. Which brought me to Damascus. Yes, but one of the things here he said, uh, before he gets to that part, he said, I made them blaspheme. Yes, that's made them deny he, Christ. He, he made people weak. He made the weak Christians, the weak ones. He made them renounce Jesus Christ. And when they renounced Jesus Christ in order to avoid persecution, torture, or death, it meant that they blasphemed the name of Jesus. That's right. I, I believe that the, the, the Zionists are doing the same thing today in the American evangelical churches. When, when these uh, preachers like John Hagee agree 
that they are not going to preach Jesus to Jews. They're yeah. blaspheming Jesus. You are right. Mike Huckabee, John Hagee, you can just go down the line. Well, we don't want to offend the Jews by preaching Jesus to them. So they're blaspheming Jesus. Yes. They're saying Jesus is of no effect to them. They don't need Jesus. God's got another plan for them. That's right. But that's blasphemy. That's right. So forcing Christians to blaspheme Jesus has always been part of the plan of the of the radical Jews who want to wipe out Christianity. Uh, they, they're not satisfied with just persecuting you. you. They want your mouth to renounce Jesus. Uh, because then you've blasphemed him, and you may, you may have lost your salvation at this point. If you renounce your faith in Jesus Christ, how are you saved in the end? Yes. And, and we're seeing today, um, we're seeing <laughs> these Hebrew roots people, these sacred name people, these real cr crazy, Fairly. super uh, uh, Christian Zionists who are moving to Israel and converting to Judaism. Yes. Because once you can start down that road, that, that's the only place you can go. Right. You're, you're going to end up renouncing Christ. If you start pursuing Judaism, you, you're going to end up renouncing Christ. You know, it's like, like I used to say, you know, um, if, I don't, if I didn't need a haircut, but I... If I sat in a barber shop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. I'm going to get a haircut. So you just keep embracing Judaism, and eventually you're going to get a haircut. Yes. Uh, we embrace people, not their beliefs. Yes. Okay, that's it for today. So uh, we'll pick up tomorrow with verse 12. This is when Paul begins to give his testimony. King, I was, I was, I was on my way to Damascus. <laughs> this is his favorite story to tell, how right. he got saved. So All we'll right. pick it up there tomorrow. All right. So, folks, uh, be sure to read ahead if you haven't already in Chapter 26, because uh, uh, we're going to try to finish up that chapter tomorrow if we can. Uh, because we want to try to finish the book of Acts this week. And so uh, we're uh, believing God to get us through that and everything. So if you'll help us out by reading ahead a little bit, and that way you're prepared in your heart and your spirit for that. 19 countries checking in with us today, Rick. Praise God, uh, including uh, Norway, first-timer from Taiwan today. Uh, I don't think we've had Taiwan before. And uh, we're uh, South Africa. Uh, let's see, of course, Switzerland, Norway, Bahrain. Uh, 19 countries around the world, and uh, between three and 400 people uh, joining us today for this uh, morning Bible study, 8 a.m. weekdays here on the East Coast. And so we appreciate you being here. Be sure to uh, tell your other friends and neighbors on Faith and Values about this uh, morning Bible study, 8 a.m. Share uh, this uh, Bible study on Faith and Values. And uh, we've got a lot of people that are on Faith and Values, but don't join us for the Bible study. And so they need to know how excited you are about it. So That's right. And I was told last week, uh, 
by one of our morning manna uh, classmates that we are having, morning manna is having an impact in the Congo. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Faustin, uh, a lot of folks that are on chat know who Faustin is, is uh, regularly, he's not here today, but regularly gets together with uh, several people and they gather around, they listen to uh, morning manna. And so uh, Rhonda West is uh, on chat and she is all the time making sure that uh, uh, we are keeping Faustin and uh, the folks in the Congo in prayers on a regular basis. We pray, for, we pray for all of you and uh, appreciate you being here. We also invite you to join us each weekday at 12 noon for True News, where Rick and I look at uh, international world headlines from a uh, Christian perspective and uh, uh, try to discern what the Lord is doing here in this world in the final moments of time. So we invite you to that here on Faith and Values, True News, uh, Rumble, Getter, other social media outlets, and of course you can always listen to the archives of True News and Morning Manna here on Faith and Values as well. Any final words before we close out for today, Rick? No, sir. I got to get to work and get get on the road and get up to you, Doc. I'll see you in a half hour. All right, sir. Well, God bless you and God bless everyone that joined us today for Morning Manna. Be sure to tune in on the Wednesday edition, 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. God bless you. Take care. Hey, Doc, I don't think we're going to get to the end of Acts this week. We still got, we have the second half of chapter 26. We yes. have all 27 and, and all 28. 28. Uh, Monday is Christmas. I I think we'll be finished next Wednesday. Okay. You up for it? Sure, I'm okay. up for it. All so. right. I think, it, I think we'll finish next Wednesday. And um, if so, we'll probably take a break Thursday and Friday and and then be back uh, January 2nd okay. for the uh, gospel according to St. Matthew. Right. Which will be uh, a good one because we've already been through Matthew once uh, when we did our internal Bible study here at uh, the ministry. And so we yeah, promise you're in for we, a treat. I we will teach you. Matthew in a way you've never heard it before. Yes. All right. And uh, you, you will be blessed and the word of God will come alive. We're trying to we're trying to teach Acts in a way that helps people visualize what was taking place. Yes. They were real people, just like us. They were not different. And that's the message is that all of us are capable of doing the things that the early Christians did. Right. Because they had to live it out. They and it was real world situations, Rick. And here, here's here's the thing. People are the same. Humans have not changed. God's the same. God has not changed. He worked with flawed humans thousands of years ago and performed miracles. He can work with flawed humans today and still do miracles. All you have to do is believe, have faith in the risen Jesus Christ. It's really about do you believe he's risen? And if he's risen... Do you believe he can do anything? I believe it. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow. Make sure you join us. See ya. You're listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter.
Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.